The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. of Rediscovering the Indies, an independent wrestling history podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Gullo, joined alongside Jonathan Nash. And we are doing another episode in the deep dive of the National Wrestling Alliance world title and the comings and goings of the business, at least the uh, big stuff uh, from 2007 to 2017, which is the era of the end of TNA, well, the end of the relationship with TNA, I should say, until uh, the purchase by Billy Corgan. Um, and part one was very interesting. But before we get into all that, we just first off want to thank where we're recording, the podcast precinct, and want to thank our good friends at the BICBB network. We're proud to be part of the network and, uh, you know, check them out. We're one of a ton of great podcasts on the network. Uh, real quick, just to get some social media plugs out of the way. Make sure that you are following us on Twitter at RTI Pod and Instagram and Facebook at Rediscovering the Indies. We're always putting up the uh, This Day in Independent Wrestling History, which lately we've gotten a lot of buzz with a couple. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, mentioning the uh, Spectral Envoy winning a uh, uh, Chikara King of Trios got a lot of buzz. And then uh, today, as we're recording this, uh, LaFisto uh, defeating uh, Awesome Kong in the Canusa Classic, Smash Canusa Classic, <laughs> was. Uh, creating a lot of buzz so uh you'll never know what you're going to see on those with this day in the pen wrestling history and it's also the great uh you want to go on there for the comings and goings as far as what we're doing on the podcast topics and whatnot um but yeah just to recap where where we are at uh the first episode in this multi-part nwa we kind of talked about the end of the tna relationship what caused that and then some bold business moves that the nwa did uh for example trying to start into in Mexico, which they did. And uh, the draws kept going down and down and down. Uh, they ran the Phillips arena in Atlanta, Georgia, and did not draw great compared to the Phillips arena. Great number of house. If they were in a much smaller arena, but not for the Phillips. Uh, they also had the TV deal with colors uh, TV for NWA showcase, as well as um, who is right now a controversial topic, but, Rick Flair, the they they were you know agreed to Rick Flair to appear at all these dates at all these different NWA shows, and then that fell through. Uh, so, and if you want to get the full uh, scope of what happened, uh, check out our first episode of Part One, the NWA title from 2007 to 2017. But we will get right into Part Two, and we are going to start in the year of 2009. Uh, we left off the end of 2008, and we'll start with January 7, 2009. Blue Demon Jr. said on December 26th that NWA Mexico and CMLL are in talks about working together. The deal they are apparently working on is that the NWA would allow the light heavyweight, middleweight, and welterweight world titles to remain with the CMLL promotion. If in exchange, the champions will be allowed to defend those titles on NWA cards. The reason why you might have heard my little laughter there was... <laughs> We were hearing in December 22nd, which was 
four days before that that there was no relationship with CMLL and they were sending all the titles. <laughs> that those titles were not recognized by the NWA. So what do you think changed in four days? <laughs> <laughs> um, your guess is as good as mine with that. Um, I think just the bad publicity of Blue Demon putting that out there. Yeah, I mean... You know, we, we talked about it before that the NWA Mexico venture was was very was a very uh, risky one to begin with. Um, you know, we're not the business wasn't on fire in 2008 and you already had AAA and CMLL gobbling up a lot of the market. And of course, there is a ton of smaller operations around Mexico, but they weren't putting a dead in business. It's not like now where like Crash Lucha Libre and multiple others can come out of nowhere and be successful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in, in 2008, trying to start a national Mex- Mexican wrestling promotion was a really risky venture. And you could tell, Hey, maybe we aren't what we were going to be. They're running like once a month. Hey, maybe we should probably partner with somebody. Yeah. And that's what the NWA should have been during this time. They shouldn't have tried to go out on their own, but they obviously did with the Phillips arena show and with, with the NWA Mexico. And later on, as we go through 2009, we'll realize a little bit more that they did. They tried to break out and did their own thing. Uh, February 2nd, 2009, Big Vision Entertainment, which produced Wrestling Society X and MTV and is involved with the NWA Typings in Hollywood, California, did a casting call on January 27th for a remake of the 1980s Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling show, Glow. And folks, this is 2009. This is not the Netflix drama series that was very successful and very well done. No, this is a reboot of Glow. Now, um, I don't know if you have it. Did this happen, or is this really one of the other offshoots? I don't believe it did. Uh, I No, because I believe it merged. It The whole vision of Glow eventually, like, and Dave McClain turned into WoW. And yeah, I believe which still currently a thing. Yeah, yes. it, that went away for a little while. Came back in different incarnations. Wrestlelicious is not Dave McClain, but it's very similar. <laughs> Some similar Wrestlelicious, people. yeah. Um, and I put this in the notes just to show, like Big, Big Vision Entertainment, like our friends at Big Vision Entertainment, who just seem to have their hands in everything that we talk about on this show. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. They're out there. They're XPW. They're there. NWA. They're there. <laughs> um, uh, Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were, they were involved with stampede at some point. Uh, yeah. So uh, not going to dwell too much on this, but uh, pretty interesting that in 2009, which, you know, we are still in the divas era of wrestling and all that. Uh, um, but that they were trying to do glow then. So, I mean, I, I guess it would make sense with the era that we were in at that time. And, and and the fact of, as we go to the next piece of notes here, too, that, you know, the whole idea of Wrestling Society X and then the NWA tapings in Hollywood, glow fits in with that. It's filming from a studio uh, in Hollywood. Yes. And studio wrestling... You know, like I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but studio wrestling is something that I think comes across really well, well in modern day, 
especially nowadays. Maybe and, and you, or, uh, NXT 2.0 is studio wrestling. Yes. You know, and I mean, the AEW Dark Tapings, Universal yeah. Studios, studio wrestling. You got NWA Power, like, and it, and it seems I mean, really impact the Skyway Studios, studio yeah. wrestling. Like, it comes off r- really well. Uh, I think there was a negative connotation towards it for years just because, like, a lot of us that grew up on WWF, WWF took took wrestling away from the TV studios in the 80s and went to doing their TV tapings in arenas. So that's what became the norm. And uh, if you follow that mindset that NWA, Memphis, all these companies filming in a studio just seemed low rent. Well. You take that, and I think the I think the mindset in this era was, oh, you're doing studios because you can't fill a house, because yeah. that that was the internet wrestling community's hate on TNA. Well, it was also oh, there. The it, it, yeah. it started with Atlanta Center Stage when they were giving away free tickets to the homeless. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, TNA was the same way, where it was free tickets, and you weren't getting you were in some wrestling fans, but you still getting people that were walking the park. Um, March 23rd, 2009 here, and this is all from The Observer right now. The NWA did another set of TV tapings on March 7th and March 8th in Hollywood. We didn't hear much about them, but they were put together by David Marquez, Kevin Kleinrock, Adam Pierce, and Dave Lagana. I saw some stuff from the first taping, and it had a 70s or 80s studio wrestling feel to it. I found it really easy to watch, but it's nothing that's going to break through anywhere. The amazing Kreskin, uh, 74, who was famous in the 70s uh, from appearing with Johnny Kepp, Carson did several interviews on the shows, which were built around a three-way program title for the NWA title with Blue Demon Jr. and contenders Brent Albright and Pierce. Also set up was Apollo from Puerto Rico as a challenger for the North American champion Mike DiBiase, plus Little Guido forming a tag team with Joey Ryan to work with Nick and Matt Jackson. There were some controversy regarding the squash match where Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch hurt Chris Cadillac and Golden Lion. Uh, others that were put over were Phil Shatter, Oliver John, Rain Taylor, Johnny Goodtime, Terex, and Steve Madison. What a crew of guys. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you want a hot take for me, I never knew why Apollo got the opportunities he did. <laughs> like, And I'm sorry, Apollo, you might be a nice guy, and I'm sure someone's going to spin this and this and that, but... I I never I never got him in TNA and I and I I just never got it. Yes, he looked a million bucks, but I didn't think. My personal opinion, I didn't think he was a great wrestler. I I'm not gonna disagree with you on that. Um, I think that's a debate for another uh, another time. The that Apollo could be Files. A, yeah, that could be another <laughs> uh, long podcast series. You know, if if we could consider independence, a episode on IW Puerto Rico would be bonkers. <laughs> like I just, yeah. yeah. Um, we're not ready for that yet. No. Uh, now uh, the NWA kind of loses its uh, buzz for a while, as our next thing in the notes is a year later. Yeah, and I uh, there really wasn't much. Like I looked up. I'm looking at like title matches per, per year um, on cage match for the world title. Uh, Blue Demon had three title defenses in 2009 after this. <laughs> the tag titles, uh, tag titles had two title defenses. So they basically really didn't do much. 
Now, do you think... There's really nothing of note. There was a lot of stuff unaccounted for with at least Blue Demon Jr. In the aspect of there's just there's a lot of those like spot shows in Mexico. In Mexico, oh, yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm I imagine sure. he probably defended the title a bunch, but... There's, there's, not there's, no, there's, not much, there's not much documentation during that era. Well, it's like you ever watch um, – I really forget what the, what the name of the documentary is, but it's a Lucha Libre documentary. And it follows Shocker and Strongman John and- – I think Anderson's last name. I can't remember. Uh, and these are guys that were like top guys in like CMLL. And on a Saturday when they're free, they're, they're working a flea market. <laughs> in front of 30 people and they're like one yeah they did like a birthday party and stuff yeah like you know you just get work wherever you can and i'm sure there was blue demon jr had to have been doing a lot of that and probably saying all oh, the nwa titles on the line yeah i mean he did in may of 2009 he worked nwa showcase in tyler texas best chart of three falls match he defeated super crazy two to one oh would have loved super crazy's nwa yeah. champ uh in june he worked for P- pwr uh santa maria california Pro Wrestling um, Revolution. Yeah. They're friends of the show. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. They are friends of the show. They they put on some really good, if this is the same, hopefully it's the same approach I'm thinking of. They put on some great Lucha Libre shows. Uh, yeah. They're, 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 they're friends, yes, they're us, friends yeah. of the show. One of their promoter, the promoter, I think, like Gabriel Ramirez, he's a big fan of the show. Oh. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. You had, uh, in a cage match, Blue Demon defeated Oliver John. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and then, uh, that was in June, and then in August 2009, uh, NWA Lucha Libre in Phoenix, Blue Demon defeats Oliver John and Super Crazy. So in the entire second half of 2009, he only had two opponents. And and let's remind you the gimmick that Oliver John was playing at the time. He was a Border Patrol agent. I mean, feuding with luchadors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like when I'm looking at just results on Cage Match, like there's a lot listed for the nwa but they weren't ended it's all specific. it's all the it's all the it's, yeah here's pwx here's eccw mcpw in michigan uh nwa indiana nwa anarchy nwa oklahoma uh m1w apw yeah so it's all uh partner feds it wasn't really the nwa by itself so we will go to uh 2010 now as with the observer march 10 2010 uh, in what could be the end of an era, Blue Demon Jr., who is the NWA representative for Mexico City, has said that he has aligned himself with Los Perros de Mall, which is the official NWA promotion for Mexico. Uh, due to this, so we can tell NWA Mexico is gone. Yeah. <laughs> due to this, he said that the NWA does not recognize El Tejano Jr. as its World Light Heavyweight Champion, Averno as Middleweight Champions. He didn't bring up Mephisto as Welterweight Champion. He said that the NWA has sent notice the CMLL, and that those men are stripped of their titles in tournaments, which would be held on Peros de Mall shows for for new champions. Uh, the titles date back to Salvador Lutero as NWA promoter back in the 50s. The middleweight titles date back to the old world middleweight title the MLL promotion had, dates back to the 30s, making it the oldest championship in the industry to the title that became the NWA title in the 50s. The welterweight titles date back to El Santo in 1946 and also become the NWA title in the 50s. This has been talked about for years ever since CML wasn't a member of the NWA, but they essentially would have violated NWA bylaws by creating CML champions in every weight class and recognizing their own world champions. But who cares if you break NWA bylaws because you're not part of the NWA? <laughs> it, it's, it's 
been a recurring theme on not only this series, but our original <laughs> show with uh, anybody in the 90s where everyone's scared to break the bylaws. Like, does it matter? I'm glad Corgan bought it. And, 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 and there's no bylaws anymore. Yeah. No bylaws. <laughs> um, that, that should be a t-shirt. NWA, no more bylaws. <laughs> you have two guys, at least two purchasers. I think we got yeah. the fans of buying out there. Uh, March uh, 2nd, 2010, uh, Adam Fierce. Adam Fierce, oh, wow. That sounds like... <laughs> recording that... this at night, by the way. So yes, like... we usually do like Saturday morning. or recording this on a Tuesday night because I'm going to Las Vegas. <laughs> and, and Ash is probably the most booked production guy at professional wrestling right now. So, um, But yes, March 22nd, 2010, Adam Pierce. Regained the NWA Heavyweight title on March 14th in Charlotte on Greg Price's NWA New Beginnings show at the University Hilton. Pierce won a three-way over champion Blue Demon Jr. and Phil Shatter, the NWA National Champion. It was an elimination match where Pierce first pinned Demon Jr. and Shatter used a power bomb, and Pierce stole the win. The second fall was a double fin- double pin finish where Shatter was first announced as champion, but after a discussion in the ring, it was overturned, and Pierce was then announced as champion. Well, that's kind of a sketchy finish. I mean, he had to, I don't understand. You didn't need to do that. <laughs> like he couldn't beat the national champion cleanly. Um, March 3rd, 2010. It continues, folks. The NWA sent a cease and desist letter to the CMLL saying they can no longer use the NWA name for the light heavyweight, middleweight, and welterweight titles that they've been used dating back more than 50 years. CML is apparently going to continue having the respective champions, El Tejano Jr., Averno, and Mephisto, defend the belt. As on April 27, Mephisto versus La Mascara was still built as the NWA welterweight title. I think my favorite thing is CML going, we don't care. Yo, what, Stop American, using our name. American company is going to sue a Mexican company? Like, no. <laughs> um, May 10th, 2010, CML is, is taking the season desist order seriously on April 27th when Mephisto defended what would has been called the NWA welterweight title dating back as long as anyone can remember. It was simply called the world welterweight title. Uh, maybe people thought they were watching the WEC pay-per-view. Uh, Mephisto, uh, with his father Cahos in his corner, won two out of three falls over La Mascara, uh, who had his father, Brazo de Oro, in his corner. It's it, it's amazing. Like It goes back to September 93 when uh, the NWA didn't want well, I had the the issue with uh, Rick Rude holding the NBA title, and they're just like, all right, we'll just call it the world title. That's fine. <laughs> like, you're not actually going to stop these these promotions. They're just going to drop it. NBA World Heavyweight title. Okay, we'll just drop the NBA name from it. <laughs> uh, now, uh, let's see here. We got June 28, 2010, Greg Price's NWA convention in Charlotte the weekend of August 7th. We'll have a wrestling show with Adam Pierce def- uh, defending the NWA title against Brian Danielson in the main event. And then is this is this that weird period where Danielson's not in WWE? Mm, no, because that- he was only he was only gone for like two months. Maybe not even. Yeah, so is that... What year is that? That's what I'm curious on. Um, 
So I want to look at these matches from Pierce. See if I can find this show. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, looking up to so we at least uh, have a reference point here. I got to hear the NWA Fan Fest. I have it. Uh, he did defeat Brian Danielson. Um, so let's just kind of go to the show because this show is probably the closest you're going to get to an anniversary show that year. And there's uh, also there was also a double shot. They were also ran they ran on uh, August eighth too, from what I'm seeing. So this August seventh show is pretty stacked. Uh, it has a future legends uh, tournament here. Uh, Davy Richards defeating Caprice Coleman, Phil Shatter defeating Chase Stevens in a singles match. Kamala with Skandor Akbar defeated Jake Manning. <laughs> Two minutes thirty eight seconds. <laughs> why is why wasn't that on a five dollar wrestling too? Zach Salvation defeats Mike Jackson. Side note: I know we have promoters that listen to this show. If you are looking for a ring announcer to ring announce Mike Jackson, that is on my bucket list. I I need to ring announce that man. Him and George South. I want to ring announce both those guys. Uh, but yeah, Zach Salvation defeats Mike Jackson. Uh, and then uh, in a number one contendership future uh, Legends Tournament match for NWA World Heavyweight title, number one contender Phil Shatter defeat Davey Richards. And then Adam Pierce defeated Brian Danielson. Um, let's see. And then, yeah. So then at this fan fest the next night, we got Josh Magnum defeating Drew Haskins, Chase Stevens defeating Cedric Alexander, popping up in an NWA show. Um, in an NWA dog pound heavyweight title match, Chance Prophet defeated Caleb with Caleb Conley. Also known as Caleb with a K. Yeah. Uh, we also had, but that's spelled with a C. Yeah. So, well, this is pre, oh, okay. pre that era. Uh, tag team match at New Wave. Derek Driver and Stephen Walters defeated Chris Escobar and Damian Wayne. Uh, in a singles match, Brian Danielson defeated Zach Salvation. This Zach Salvation guy was getting a push here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and. And then uh, the world title went to a no contest between Adam Pierce and Phil Shatter. And They're doing a lot of like sketchy finishes with the NBA world title around this time. This was definitely that year, though, uh, 2010. And I can appreciate that both shows, for the most part, had uh, different workers. Yeah. I mean, you keep Danielson as your draw and Pierce as your draws. You know? Yeah, you you had a yeah, and Zach Salvation was on both, but like yeah, you pretty much both nights were a different different roster. Uh, and we actually have a little bit of a rep- we have a report from that, uh, and this is actually uh, from Alvarez and Figure Four Weekly. Adam Pierce retained the NWA title over Phil Shatter in the main event of the NWA Legends Fan Fest show in Charlotte on Sunday night. The match did not go as planned. A wrestler called the Sheik was supposed to run out and hit Pierce with a chair shot to the back. But the edge of the chair edge of the chair ended up hitting him in the back of the head and legit knocked him out. It was the delay knockout, actually, as Pierce initially asked the ref to check to see if he was bleeding. Then he collapsed. And the next thing he knew he was looking up at Les Thatcher and Tully Blanchard trying to revive him. Apparently, everyone thought he was messing around, so he just laid there in the ring for several minutes before people figured out something was really wrong. He actually got up and tried to do a match with uh, but Blanchard, uh, who would have none of it, and sent in some of the guys for a run-in and schmaz. He got on the mic afterwards and did a promo saying what Sheik did was bullshit and that he was going to pay God damn it, which had a few people uncomfortable since it was billed as a family show. Uh, Pierce was uh, diagnosed with a concussion, but the CT scans were normal. The swelling went down quickly, and he left the next day to go on vacation. 
In the semi-main, uh, Brian Danielson beat Josh Salvation. The ring announcer accidentally called him the ultimate dragon the night before. So on both nights, Danielson started shaking the ropes and running around doing ultimate warrior spots, which the people loved. Pierce beat Danielson to retain the title on Saturday night. And here is the first introduction of the Sheik. The Sheik, who, if I'm not mistaken, is now Joseph Samuel in Contra in MLW. Okay. I'm like 98% sure that's a thing. I mean, I can look that up. <laughs> yes. While, while you're looking up, just a confirmation there. We will uh, go on to August 23rd, 2010 uh, from The Observer this time around. The old NWA World Light Heavyweight, Middleweight, and Welterweight titles that date back to the glory days of the NWA, but the current NWA dropped recognition of and have just been called the World Titles were renamed the CMLL Historic World Championships as opposed to the CMLL World Championships that they also kind of like world and global titles in the same promotion. They have made all new belts for Inverno, the light heavyweight, El Tejano, the middleweight, and Mephisto, the welterweight, to replace the belts that were designed after the Reds' 1970s Jack Briscoe NWA World Heavyweight title belt. So it looks like we finally have the nail in the coffin with the titles being yeah. used in CMLL. And, and you're right about the Sheik. Yep, Joseph Samuel from Contra. Uh From Figure Four Weekly, September 7, 2010, NWA Championship Wrestling from Hollywood debuts on September 17th at 8 p.m. on the KDOC Channel 56 in Los Angeles. They just did a taping two weeks ago and have another taping scheduled for September 29th. The first two shows will feature packages introducing people to the history of pro wrestling in Los Angeles and the various characters that will be involved with this new incarnation. The first actual pro wrestling show with new matches will air on October 1st at 8 p.m. in the SmackDown time slot that will have been vacated that night as SmackDown moves to sci-fi. Folks, forget about that. Uh, the the uh, NBC and the NWA have a deal where they will split the ad revenue 50-50 regardless of who sells it. And apparently NBC will be thrilled if they can do 10,000 to 15,000 viewers in that time slot. SmackDown does currently around 150,000, I believe. Uh, and NWA hopes that people who are in the habit of watching wrestling on NBC on Friday nights will check it out and get the habit of watching that show. Uh, one of the issues, obviously, is that there's a lot to do in Los Angeles on a Friday night, but they're hoping to attract a lot of kids and older wrestling fans who aren't heading out. I don't think 10,000 viewers on an NBC affiliate on a Friday night is out of question, but I'll guess we'll see. Uh, NBC wanted it to be a studio show, but Dave Marquez said he was trying to t- he wanted to try to tape shows from other venues in Hollywood first. Marquez noted that regardless of what people say about the NWA name, it has actually opened a lot of doors for him and others because there's a generation of people working for TV. Uh, working in TV, who grew up as fans of the 1980s NWA, who still have fond memories of that period, and the NWA name still means something to them. If you try to pitch an idea and said you represented, for example, All Pro Wrestling or PWG, these guys would have never heard of those places, where if you mentioned you're with the NWA and can bring along the NWA title belt, they remember seeing on TV when they were younger and it intrigues them. So, yeah, real, yeah actually, yeah. I do want to touch on this. Marquez just burying the other competition in California. <laughs> like, well, yeah. you say you were an APW, PWG, it just doesn't have the same type of. <laughs> yeah, and like the, the way Alvarez list is explaining this, where he's seeing like this deal with NBC, this deal with NBC. No, they had a deal with KDOC. 
Yes. It wasn't it wasn't it was an NBC affiliate, but at the same time we'll we'll find out as we go more through the notes if, uh, Did, on this, but like that seems like can an NBC affiliate just preempt normal 8 p.m. programming? I find that kind of shocking because everything I know about uh, the television industry, you really can't unless it's like a local football game or news coverage. There's really nothing you can just preempt uh, the affiliate programming. And here's the thing, too. I feel like this had to be an NBC second affiliate because they SmackDown was never on NBC. And I'm wondering, this is, I believe this is the time period of the My Network TV thing. So maybe there was no My Network TV. You know what? You're you're right. Uh, maybe there's no My Network TV in Los Angeles, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, KDOC, which I sure realized Channel 56. That's not... That's yeah. not a. That's not a. One of the big three. Yeah, it's KDOC, uh, KDOC Los Angeles. During that time, no, they're an independent station. Um, so at least where, currently, where is he getting that NBC stuff from? Uh, let me look here. The station was also was popular for its weekend block of pro wrestling and roller derby, including world class championship wrestling, mid Atlantic wrestling syndicated show, worldwide wrestling. And Los Angeles Thunderbirds roller games. So it's a network that's got a history of, of pro wrestling. Yeah. So that helps. Um, let's see. They they were independent station. Much of the station's programming through the years have been situation comedy and dramatic reruns. They were seen on other L.A. area stations in years past. Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke Show, Beverly Hillbillies. Um They were yeah, in fall of 2009. The station had ESPN Plus's syndication package of Southeastern Conference football and men's basketball. That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if we're looking at it now, they are independent. Um, 56.1 uh, is an independent station. Uh, subchannels are MeTV, Comet, Local Now, Charge. Uh, Little Saigon TV. So, um, yeah, they're an independent. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe they it just aired there instead of my network TV. Maybe they didn't have California coverage or Los Angeles coverage. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it was my TV. Yeah. Because um, from 2008 to 2010, SmackDown's on there, and then in 2010 is when they go to Sci-Fi, and then they get moved okay. over to USA. And then yeah. They, so. Alvarez obviously either misspoke or mistyped it or just doesn't understand his uh, affiliates. But, okay, it would have been my TV at the t- point. But but even that, uh, maybe maybe my TV maybe my TV is a little more lax with what their affiliates air. Yeah, because they, they don't have a lot of – from what I understand, my network TV doesn't have a lot of – like feature programming that they ha- that that's theirs, unlike CW. Yeah, where CW has CW, and I don't think my network really has those programs anymore. They maybe did in the beginning. My network would have been uh, would have been um, like SmackDown. You had to air SmackDown at this yeah. time, but yeah, the other programming is hey, here's a movie. You yeah, air, or they, they don't have some... like all these drama, drama series, comedy yeah. series like that. They're I mean, they're probably they probably did in the beginning, but 
I don't think they. Do I don't now. think my TV did. Did they? Let's let's look at the list of programs broadcast by my TV. Folks, I know this is never been a wrestling channel, but we're just this, I, I'm, this, this is, is just way too interesting. Uh, original series. Oh, Sven Gulli. It's 2011, though. Um, but that's only on the weekends, I think. Uh, acquired series, the Adams Family, like Adam 12, Power to Be Jones. It's all, uh, it's all classic programming. I don't really see any original programming. Like, they, you know, they would air reruns of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Bones and House and Without a Trace and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's where I can get my Petticoat Junction fix. <laughs> It was a very underrated show, by the way. That and Green Acres. I loved it as a kid. Um, oh, they aired Breaking the Magician's Code. Oh. oh. That's what... Co- it wasn't Breaking the Magician's Code, but it was that It was that magician show that... that Magic that, Secrets Revealed. Yeah, which we talked about on the APW show. Yeah. Yeah, we did all come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> the wrestling secrets. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh... So, yeah, so wrapping up our uh, history of independent television. Um, yeah. So it seems like uh, the deal was with MyTV, uh, with the local affiliate that didn't really have programming and they were going to pick up, which is a smart move. Like, Dave Barquez is a very smart man. Like, they're losing, yeah. they're losing SmackDown. People know to turn on this channel at this time to see pro wrestling, you're going to give them pro wrestling. And I have to explain to you folks this is still a program in los angeles it's championship wrestling from hollywood now without the nwa name but which marquez is running under his united wrestling network affiliate marquez has been running pretty much nonstop. but now he has affiliates in memphis atlanta i think louisiana phoenix phoenix yeah he's it he's and he's continuing to grow the uh, united wrestling network when he started that when like, as we get through the NWA, we'll get in more of that. But, like, he started getting affiliates for that. Like, Excite Wrestling, which is a fed we both work for, still still is loosely affiliated with that. Uh, unofficially. But I know, like, there's several feds in the East Coast who are affiliated with it, too. Um, and then one other note from Alvarez in that, uh, speaking of the NWA, the current champion, uh, Adam Pierce has an injured rotator cuff and is doing rehab on it. It's not a complete tear, but if the rehab doesn't help, he might need surgery. It's been a rough month for him as he got fired as Ring of Honor Booker and blew out his shoulder. Oh, man, you got the concussion and yeah, that's, that's not that's not fun. <laughs> Lost his job. Oh, um. September 13, 2010, back to the Observer. Uh, NWA champion Adam Pierce is rehabbing a torn rotator cuff suffered on August 7th match in Charlotte with Danielson. Oh, so he tore his cuff the night before he got the concussion. Uh, he's hoping the rehab will allow him to regain enough strength that he can avoid surgery, which would put him on action for a month. He suffered a torn AC joint in a 2000 match with Ken Anderson. Yes, that Ken Anderson in Green Bay. And in, in a sense, he's been lucky with the joint instability that he's been able to work for, on it for 10 years without a serious follow-up injury. Being an NWA champion, it can be snake-bitten with injuries and uh, just being overworked. And speaking of that, uh, March 8, 2011, Cole Cabana, this from the Observer, Cole Cabana beat Adam Pierce Sunday night at the NWA Hollywood television tapings to end Pierce's nearly three-year-long reign as champion. Nearly one year. Oh, I'm sorry. Year long. I don't know why I read three there. Nearly 
year long third reign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, as champion. Sorry, folks. Uh, I, I I'm I'm on coffee at night. <laughs> All right. So, uh, 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 hey, listen. If Eric Bischoff could use that excuse, I'm going to use it too. I'm drinking coffee. Of course, at like five in the morning. <laughs> well, it's seven at night. Uh, aside from his uh, Ring of Honor uh, tag title runs and his reigns as the ICW ICWA Texarkana Television Champion. You know, we talked about a patron. I think a fun episode would be to do the history of the ICW <laughs> ICWA Texarkana Championship. But uh, um, this is by far the uh, biggest championship win of Cabana's career. Uh, the match culminating in a seven-month-long feud will air on the next few weeks on the television show, which is available on KDOC TV in LA in the old SmackDown time slot and on NWA Hollywood dot com. See, when you look at Adam Pierce's uh, matches around that time uh, on Cage Match, he really didn't slow down. Um, September, he had two matches. Not just, and I'll talk about like title matches. I'm talking about just like matches in general. Like. He slowed down a little bit in September, October, but like November started picking up, December he started picking up again, and he's fully defending the belt. He's defending against Flash Flanagan, defending against uh, Willie Mack. Uh, obviously, like Colt had matches with Claudio and, and Rocky Romero, matches with Scorpio Sky. Like he's still out there. Uh, not obviously not multiple times a weekend at this point just because of his injuries but he's he's out there and him and him and uh cabana are working the working around the loop here it seems like working la like working all around the west coast and it was a it would be a predecessor of what is to come with them too yeah uh may 2nd uh, 2011 from the observer the Sheik beat cole cabana to win the nwa title on april 23rd in jacksonville this makes him the first Sheik ever to win the NWA title. I love how that's a fact. Uh, the plan was for him to get the title, uh, believed to have been a purchase deal for several months, with Cabana being used as the intermediary between Adam Pierce and Sheik. Sheik was going to call himself Sheik something or other and went to Sebu and asked him if he, if he thought it was okay to use the name, and Sebu told him if he wanted to honor the Sheik, just go by the Sheik. Never knew he had sub- Sebu's blessing on that. Very interesting. And then uh, read the next week. Uh, on May 10th, 2011, Bob Trowbridge of the uh, NWA said the NWA title is going to, our title change going to the Sheik was not a purchase deal as intimated here last week. So what they're saying, uh, the, he, originally Dave reported that the Sheik purchased it, bought to be NWA champion. And he, then, he paid for the belt. Now, I don't know if I believe Bob at this. <laughs> I I've, I know people that have purchased NWA tag belts before. Uh, it wasn't a straight up purchase. You had like there were certain requirements and there was money changing hands, but it it was a sketchy time at this point. Um, June thirteenth, two thousand eleven. Adam Pierce's career inside the ring may also be over. He said his neck is a hundred percent but he has nerve damage from the same fall where he sprained his neck he said at one point he was unable to feel a large part of his upper chest shoulder and arm but a lot of it has come back to the point that he usually doesn't notice any problems and feels normal most of the time he said he's fine in everyday situations he said he expects that his doctors will tell him returning as an active wrestler is a bad idea but he also wants to leave on his own terms and when he uh when he's done he can look back and say that he's done all he could do 
He said on June 24th he would announce if he would return or retire. For what it's worth, Pierce is being advertised for the main event of the annual NWA show at the Ohio State Fair Coliseum on July 31st, facing the Sheik for the Sheik's NWA title. Uh, and Adam Pierce would go on to wrestle for a few more years. Yeah. You know, and we got a little bit of hints. I, are you disappointed that the angle they did um, on, on SmackDown, that he ne- we never really got to see him wrestle, wrestle? Like, I, like one match is a scrap daddy. Like a, a little bit, but I understand like the way that WWE operates is you can't admit that this guy, uh, this guy's a wrestler. Yeah. Um, I did I did appreciate the times he did do some stuff that he didn't bump as a wrestler. He didn't sell as a wrestler. Yeah. He sold as someone that how you would if if you want people to believe you're not trained. So I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, again, like he would have if there was going to be one match for him, it would have been an NXT a few years ago, NXT 1.0. Which, yes. which actually would have been what? Like, that would have been 3 or 4.0, because I think we're on like 5.0 at this point. Yeah, really. But yeah, it's yeah. 2.0 if you ask that. But, like, that would have been the time when you had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Adam Cole and uh, McIntyre. The golden era. Like, that would have been the perfect time for him because those fans would have appreciated it. All right. Uh,. And moving on to July 4th, 2011, 0-1 is doing a double title match on uh, July 3rd at, at the Corican Hall with Ryo Sai, the champion of their promotion, facing NWA champion The Sheik with uh, Kohei Wada as referee, plus NWA IC tag champs uh, Kohei Sato and Kamikaze defending the against the IGF team of Atushi Sawada and Steve Carino. They Noki gnome fed. Yeah, we got we the, the good old Noki always finds his way. Um, uh, July 11, 2011, the Sheik from Florida got a big push in Japan, becoming a double world champion on the July third zero one show at Corican Hall. Even though it it was that the Shinya Hashimoto Memorial Show, uh, so Daiichi Hashimoto's match with Yoshiro Takeyama, uh, the deal that they're doing uh, is having Hashimoto in his rookie year take on all the veteran stars of his father's era and losing them with the idea that it's a learning experience was featured. Uh, the main event was NWA World Champion The Sheik versus Zero One World Champion Ryo Sai with both t- titles at stake and Kohawada, the uh, country's leading referee, as the official. They were trying to push it like some it was something significant from 30 years ago as they were pushing Sai as the rightful AWA champion. We, we can't get away from any of our topics. They all just intertwine. We're going to get another message about someone wanting to set the record straight now. Uh, yeah. Can I join Christmas Eve with my family in peace, please, <laughs> and not get an email from someone? Set that AWA Superstars of Wrestling record straight. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, go ahead. If you finish, finish, because it's going to explain. Okay? Oh, oh, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> um, the Zero One World title evolved from a version of the AWA World title long after the famous AWA closed. But this was probably linking it to Dale Gagne, AWA. And when WWE bought the intellectual property of the famous AWA from Vern Gagne, WWE went to work in court to have Del Gagne shut down from using the name. The finish saw Sai bloody and Sheik used the camel clutch. Wada stopped it and Sheik was awarded the 0-1 title. 
The other big match was uh, Shinjiro Otani and Masato Tanaka beating Akimono and Daisuke Sakimoto when Otani pins Sakimoto. But after the match, Otani attacked Tanaka and split up their team, so it looks like they are going to have a program. Wow, Zero One had a stacked roster, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, I want to watch some of this 2011 Zero One. I want to see Akibono and Dasuke as a tag team. Yeah, come on. <laughs> like, and o- against Otani and Tanaka? Are you kidding yeah. me? Um, uh, and then it gets interesting. <laughs> yeah, so maybe... maybe uh... I'm gonna say, I'm gonna just say, Dale Gagner just sold the AWA rights to zero one. That, that sounds about right. Yeah, you can have it. It's legal. It's all good. Uh, July 20th, 2011, the NWA stripped its world title from the Sheik just days after he became a double champion, winning the zero one belt. They believe Sheik wasn't going to show up for the July 31st show in Columbus, Ohio, at the annual State Fair, where he was to defend against Adam Pierce. Pierce was scheduled to win the title at the show, but in the press release, they said they didn't know the reason. Uh, Sheik would not be appearing at, on the show, but contacted his camp after getting word that that was the case of having it confirmed he wasn't coming. Uh, the vacant title would be decided in a three-way with Pierce first Chance Prophet, the national champion, versus Sean Tempers, the North American champion. Then Craig Classic vacated the NWA Junior title in protest for the N- to the NWA for stripping the title from the Sheik. Okay, Craig. <laughs> Stay with his boy, but like... Really worked out good for his career. Yeah. Uh, Craig Classic. Where'd he end up? (laughs) We said he probably got a job somewhere. Probably a developmental deal somewhere. Uh, So, this, I do want to talk about this NWA show at the Ohio State Fair. uh, And I'm pulling up the whole NWA show. Like I said, we're covering the monumental shows that kind of mean something here in this history. So this is the NWA at the Ohio State Fair. Uh, Orlando, we got a singles match, Orlando Savage defeating Eric Fallen, and a television title match for the OWA television title, and I believe not the current OWA. Uh, Izzy Lambert (laughs) defeated Jimmy Lee to win the title. Uh, Singles match, Apollo Starr defeated Kadan Asad in a tag team title match. The Elite, Adam Revolver, and Ted McNailer defeated Jamin Olavincier and Rudy Switchblade. Okay, so OVW supplying talent for the show. Uh, Probably their ring, too. Uh, Paradise uh, defeated Muhammad Ali Vaiz in a singles match. And then in an NWA North American tag title match, Team Mega, uh, Ashton Amherst, and James Ross, with Crystal Frost as their manager, defeated the usual suspects, AJ Steele, and murder one with Dr. Johnny Gayton. Uh, NWA Southern Heavyweight title match. Ace Rockwell defeats Chip Day. In a singles match. Oh, this is totally OVW. Cliff Compton defeated Mike Mondo. <laughs> yes, OVW clearly had a lot of influence on this show. Uh, and then, do you know a fourth person was thrown in that match? I did not. For the NWA World Heavyweight title in a four-way uh Adam Pierce defeats Chance Prophet, Sean Tempers, and Jimmy Rave to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. So, that's the NWA at the Ohio State Fair. By the way, wrestling and fairs is awesome. Yes, although from, oh, they're at the Expo Center, so I'm guessing they're indoors. Uh, I think the attendance is listed a little bit later on the notes, but I'll let you... Uh, 
go on from that. From July yeah, 25th. so uh, you have a July 25th, 2011 Observer. On the NWA title situation back in February, the dates and the places of the title changes, which were Adam Pierce to Cole Cabana to the Sheik. Uh, and Sheik to Pierce were all laid out with Pierce getting the title back on July 31st in Columbus, Ohio. There was heat between the Sheik and Pierce as Sheik believes Pierce refused to drop the title to him and they used Cabana as the middleman. Pierce claims he never refused to lose to Sheik, which technically is true. Pierce never turned down losing, but he did make it clear for whatever reason that he would rather not lose to the Sheik. Then that led to the Cabana situation. Cabana wanted to hold the title longer, saying... Uh, saying that by bringing it to the UK, he was building it up, but he agreed to drop it to the Sheik. Uh, Sheik came back from Japan in a match that where he won the 0-1 world title and said and said he didn't want to drop it yet, saying he had taken the title to Japan and had upped its prestige, citing that as a reason for not losing it. He was told that the agreement was made months ago, so Sheik said he was not going to show up in Columbus to drop the title, and that's when he was stripped of it. Then junior heavyweight champion Craig Classic vacated his title, saying he was quitting out of loyalty to Sheik, who was his friend. Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand his point where he's just now starting to get momentum as a double champion, and they want to take it off him. I can understand that. I don't know if I agree with him not doing business. The The argument can be made, though, in it, that how well did taking it to 0-1 do it? Like, I mean, 0-1's using a fake AWA title. <laughs> like, I just, I'm just putting it out there. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, the same can be said about Colt. About Cole Cabana going to uh, Europe to defend it. It's I think it's more, and then the NWA Mexico stuff. It's more of just getting it out there so we can so they can say we're not an independent title. We're just saying an indie indie fed title. This is being defended all over and but, trying to re, try to build it back up from the glory days of it's defended in Europe, it's defended in Mexico, it's defended in Japan. But the devil's advocate to the Sheik's point would could be okay, great, you did build it up. So it makes this match even bigger when he beats you. You just made yourself a more credible opponent, a more credible champion. Yeah, you think you should have a long run, but it makes the evolution of the title even better. Like, oh, this guy just came back from Japan, and boom, Adam Pierce beat him. Came, you know, adversity of injuries and beat a guy that just went to Japan and won a world title. That's a bigger story. Yeah, I, Then, oh, this guy came back from Japan and just scrubbed out Adam Pierce. Yeah, no, there's there's multiple ways of looking at it. Like... Neither of us are wrong. It's just, it's wrestling subjective. And I think, if anything, I'll criticize the NWA for uh, having such a rigid rigid structure of six months ago, this is the plan, you're winning it here, you're dropping it there. When, when it comes to indie wrestling, it comes to wrestling anywhere nowadays, it's more of, you need to be able to adapt and change if something's working or something's not working. And I feel like, the NWA still in this era is stuck to those old mental that old mentality that they were in the sixties and seventies and eighties where it was known months and even years ahead of time when someone's gonna win the belt and when someone's gonna lose it. Uh August 10, 2011, Adam Pierce uh, regained the NWA title for the fourth time on July 31st in Columbus, Ohio, on the annual show at the Ohio State Fair before about 180 fans. So Pierce- why even do a title change if you only had 180? 
Well, I mean, it, they might it was vacated known. anyways. Yeah, so, they might yes, not know. They right. probably didn't know it was They didn't know the like advance ticket sales. They think, oh, um, county fair, you can draw a lot of people. Do me a favor. Yeah. Well, I, I might be able to see it on Cage Match, actually. I want to see what day of the week that show is on. Oh, I'll look it up. Uh, <laughs> just I'll let, uh, you, continue on you, the, uh, the could I'll continue in because that has a lot to do with fairs. Yeah. Um, but, it, uh, yeah, so... Uh, the title was vacated by the Sheik, uh, who then was uh, told he was supposed to drop it to Pierce as the agreement when he got the title. Said that he wasn't coming to Columbus since he was getting much better money and being put over strong in 0-1 as the NWA and AWA world champion. Um, All right, so yeah. uh, July 31st, 2011, was a Sunday. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I was thinking 180 fans, really... so I was thinking a Wednesday or Thursday, but... During the week, fairs do well during the week, especially on, like, Thursdays and Fridays. It, Sundays seem like an off the day. end of the fair, Sundays, and those are usually, like, people who, like, oh, crap, I forgot about the fair, or just go to the fair just to find the fried food and, like, you know... Yeah, because, like, most... most that might hurt the draw. Most fairs that go... Like, there's some fairs that only, only start on, like, Monday and through Sunday, but there's others, like... The ones the Erie County Fair in, Bu- in Buffalo, I think, starts on like a Friday and goes to the next Sunday. So that you get like yeah. nine or ten days. So yeah, like Sunday is usually a traditionally like the last day of a fair. And New York State Fair, well, it's like two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but still, like it's a Sunday night. Like who's t- who's a fair is a family outing. Who's taking their kids to a fair on a like, on a Sunday night? Well, we get, we, we, we got to see the NWA World Title. I have to see the OVW ring and the OVW talent. Uh, August 24th, uh, 2011. Apparently, neither the Sheik nor Craig Classic have returned their NWA heavyweight and junior heavyweight title belts. Sheik was supposed to lose to Adam Pierce at a title on July 3rd versus Columbus, but likely doing to be put over big in 0-1 as the NWA and 0-1 champion. He opted against losing it, didn't show up. Thus was stripped. Classic, who also works for 0-1, then vacated his title in protest of the decision to strip Sheik. Classic was supposed to defend on the August 6th show in Carrollton, Georgia, up the highway from Atlanta. On August 6th, gets Mike Jackson, the 62-year-old former Georgia Championship Wrestling Super Jobber, who can still go today. 2021, 10 years later, can still go today. <laughs> Pierce sands the NWA belt, beat Phil Shatter, uh, TNA's Gunner, via DQ. So, maybe, just hypothetically, maybe Sheik... Was getting paid more money from Zero One on the basis that he was the champ, so maybe he didn't want to lose the belt because of that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it interesting that like now Phil Shatter's getting the TNA runs and he's still doing these NWA shows, which I'm sure the Impact money wasn't great. Like, oh, Impact so, money was never great so, for the guys at this level. So, yeah. but uh, it's good. It's seeing Phil Shatter still staying active at the NWA while he's on TV. Um, uh, and this is Phil Shatter. Then I, I do not agree or going to speak about his current political views. <laughs> um, yeah, we are. Uh, but that. uh, and, and that's the problem with this show. There's so many guys that have been mentioned. <laughs> that I'd rather not mention. But anyways, um. <clears throat> Craig Classic, man. <laughs> like, can we just like, like, I I get being loyal to your friends, and you know what? I, like, I could say I've left places, you know, it, it, 
if my friends left places if it just wasn't the right situation. Um, I mean, you know, but but you're you're holding a title. At, at least, least go. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least lose it. Like it. Like I understand they stripped your buddy, but you know what? Do do, do business. Um, Craig Classic uh, was working for a long time still, though he worked until 2019. Yeah, I looked it up. Nothing really of t- really. I mean, nothing he, of he note. popped like, up in Noah. Yeah. Um. He he was trained in Japan, which is interesting. So he popped up at like Kaintai Dojo and Noah in like you know Japanese promotions of that ilk. He popped up as far as the United States. It looks like Ignite and uh, and NWA Mid America and you know Championship Wrestling Entertainment, Real Pro Wrestling, like nothing. Uh, the borderline super indies at the time, yeah, you know, n- 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 nothing too crazy. Um, all right, so moving on. Well, meanwhile, before we get to the next note, like I looked up because Adam Pierce is obviously champion at this point, uh, and he just went back on the road, still defending the belt, um, more active than he was the year before. Um, did a tour of England, uh, defeated Zack Saber Jr. Uh, very young Zack Saber Jr. Yeah, um, working. I uh, lost my there. He. Uh, up in uh, Red Deer, Alberta, against Vance Nevada. Um, he didn't have the cool title matches like Dan Severn did. No, Tugboat and Doink the Clown and, and oh, Dory I, Funk I'm, I'm looking Jr. for it. Uh, he defeated Eric Watts. Oh, what's that? What, what indie was booking Eric Watts? Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. <laughs> oh. oh no, it's not that Eric Watts. It's the other Eric Watts. It's another Eric Watts. Yeah, it's Watts. He's he's currently still a wrestler. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's that. It's that Watts. I was like, was like, wait, what? <laughs> why? I'm disappointed. Should be John Dayback. Why did you book original Eric Watts? Oh, uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood in December of 2011 against uh, Sean Ricker. That who we now know as L.A. Knight or also Eli Drake. Yeah, so uh, they had a little program going there. Um, Pierce faced Azrael. So he was still uh, making the rounds. Again, not full-time work, where he's working multiple times a weekend. He's doing a few times per month. Um, Oh, here's a match he tagged with Big Van Walter, a.k.a. Walter. Oh, wow. uh, Against Axeman and Shinya Ashikawa. In uh, in Germany. That's why I love doing this show and doing the independent wrestling history. You see these guys' early beginnings, and you start to see promise like Zack Sabre Jr. and Walter. Yeah. Um. All right, so we'll move on to 2012. Uh, this is from the January 9th Observer of that year. Zero One ran Corican Hall on July 1st. Toyoshi Kakuchi, the all-Japan star of the 90s, won what was billed as the NWA World Junior Heavyweight title from Craig Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really win it? They're pulling a CMLL. <laughs> so Classic held the title for the NWA until this past summer. Did he? I, it's, you, you finished the notes. I'll look this up. He started working in Japan as NWA Junior Champion before that time. He vacated the title out of loyalty to the Sheik, 
uh, when Sheik was stripped of the NWA World Heavyweight title, but when he refused to drop it, his plan Adam Pierce. Classic is loyal to Zero One and may be living in Japan. Zero One had a one-year license to use the NWA titles that ended in October. And while the company said they wanted to renew it, they didn't. According to Bill Barons, the NWA director, Classic had agreed to give back the belt, but went to Japan with the belt claiming he was the real champion and he'd never been beaten for the title. (laughs) Zero One has been using the belt and has tried to get around the issue by claiming that the belt stands for the net, the new wrestling alliance <laughs> instead of the national wrestling alliance and zero one has ignored requests by the nwa to get their physical belt back from zero one apparently uh feels that they can use uh with the uh, impunity because the nwa would have to would have to sue them in japanese court and figures they don't have that kind of money necessary to do that yeah, so he was not recognized as the NWA champion. Um, the belt was vacated, went to Kevin Douglas, vacated again. Chase Owens eventually won in October 2012 in a tournament. I like how they pulled the same move that that one company did with the AWA title. <laughs> or they called it like the American like or the Alliance World Association title or something. Yeah. Like, they pulled the same. They're like, oh, it's the new wrestling. Because it's got the initials on it. Yeah. Oh, and copyright law in Japan is kind of lax anyway, so I don't think if the NWA had the means to sue, I don't think they would have won anyways. Are you ready, John? Yeah, I called you John. Oh, I just saw the note. It's time. It's Bruce Tharp time. So show's going to go another three hours. (laughs) February 6, 2012, from The Observer, R. Bruce Tharp, a Brownsville, Texas-based attorney who promotes indie shows in the area and some 30 years ago when he was very young as the ring announcer for Championship Wrestling from Florida, has filed suit against the current version of the National Wrestling Alliance in Cameron County, Texas, claiming insurance fraud. Tharp has named his plaintiff's Robert Trobich, the NWA executive director, and other promoters and officers, William Bill Behrens, Michael Porter, David Marquez, Fred Rubinstein, Michael Searcy, Ken Taylor, and the NWA. The lawsuit claimed that the NWA on October 23rd signed a contract with Nautilus Insurance for a policy that would cover all members. The claim is that the defendants misrepresented to Nautilus that no more than 100 people who be in attendance at the shows that are insuring as a way to get lower insurance rates. The lawsuit claimed that Trobich disclosed this fraudulent information to all the members of the board of directors and that they agreed to conceal the information from the rest of the member promoters. We've contacted a few of the plaintiffs who deny that there was any truth to the charge but would not publicly comment. However, there are claims that part of the NWA bylaws, there they are again, they specifically state any legal action would have to be filed in the state of North Carolina. They claim that what was that they believe what was a part of a power play by Tharp, who was an attorney by trade, as is Trobich, and who had just joined the alliance last late last year to take over as executive director through the pressure of litigation. Trobich had been involved in whatever has remained of the NWA dating back to when Jim Crockett had gotten control of the name more than two decades ago and was part of the resurrection after WCW deciding against continuing the use of the name and affiliation because other promoters joined the group and by the bylaws were entitled to dates on the champions and the NWA board had legal power 
in deciding the champion, and that didn't make sense to the way the business had become in the 90s. It was noted that Tharp had made an attempt to become executive director, but it almost got no support from the board of directors and had just made another attempt to get the position days before filing the suit. The claim is that Nautilus had expressed no problem with the insurance policy and is well aware of the nature of the events that they are insuring. Side note. We know a little bit about insurance in pro wrestling because New York State's an athletic commission state. The insurance is not there for the fans as far as I know, right? Here's here's the thing. Because <laughs> like, um, like, that seems to be the sticking point here. Here's the thing. Um... This lawsuit that Tharp is putting out there, uh, no, that's legit. Um, I will give him credit. He has merit for this lawsuit. Um, from what I remember from the mid-2000s, working for NBA Feds, when they'd offered this, it was a blanket liability policy. Not The same thing Feds can get now, which is different from show insurance. Like, there's some states... Uh, specifically New York, which we were aware of, where you have to have insurance on the wrestlers. And that's uh, actual sports insurance, the same thing that you would get for like a boxing promoter or, or a MMA promoter would get. It's not liability insurance that would cover any lawsuits from a fan or from a wrestler. A, a slip and fall. A lot, of, a lot of wrestling venues require additional insurance that would, uh, that would cover a fan if a fan trips and falls or a fan gets hit by a wrestler or if a ring damages a venue like you you drop a ring post during ring crew and it scuffs up the floor uh it's general liability insurance fun fact there's a website called eventhelper.com that a lot of promoters use and uh you can get show insurance not show insurance but you can get insurance that will cover the fans general li- a general liability policy for a few hundred dollars, but also how that website works is that you have to give them a listing of how many fans would be in attendance, how many fans would be covered. You could say ten fans, you could say ten thousand fans. Your policy cost is based on how many fans, how many people are going to be in attendance, and it doesn't doesn't work for wrestling. It works for anything. You can get this. This uh, this website, this company will give you liability insurance for both a birthday party, for uh, like a roller skating rink, for any like a festival, music concert, uh, DJing at a at a wedding, anything. Um, and its prices are based on how many people it's going to cover. So, do I believe that the NWA had a policy and only claimed a hundred? fans uh, would be covered. Yes, I 100% believe they would do that. Um, because I know any promotion, any promotions that have done that in the past, that you underrepresent the number of people to get a lower policy. So, yes, I can understand and I can believe that Tharp had a viable case. I don't know if I agree with the way that he went about this like his end game, this is just an end run around getting possession of the NWA. Because if he ran, this a show, wouldn't hurt him. No, this would help him. Uh, that's if he debatable. drew more than a hundred people, it would. Yes, but like the way insurance 
companies work that you file a claim and insurance companies sole job is to try to find a loophole so they don't have to pay you. And if you if Bruce Tharp had to use this insurance and put a claim in and they denied it because he had more than 100 fans, then he had merit for a lawsuit. So just the fact that he filed this lawsuit the the reason for filing this lawsuit was to, was for litigation towards the NWA. It wasn't that he tried to file a insurance claim and was denied. So I think that's the sketchy part of that. Well, it's just like look at their actions that they are doing in the board of directors. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're they're being uh, sketchy on the insurance. And I again, like I, I, I don't want to make wild accusations and claims, but I. Let me say I can believe that they would have a policy such as this to try to carry other promoters that may not understand how laws work. Because, like I've said, there are people that use – they're just – type in liability insurance in Google and comes up this site and says, oh, $275 for liability insurance. That will cover everything I need, not actually realizing and reading. There's promotions that get – liability insurance and believe it will cover the fans or not the fans uh, believe it would cover the workers when specifically it will say in there spectators only so it's it's a sketchy thing and again I can believe that the NWA had a policy like this that they that they had attempted to get by other indie promoters to throw in money I can believe that Tharp obviously is attorney and realized it was it, it was bullshit. Um, and, and 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 as we go on, the Bruce Tharp uh, story saga it gets more and more interesting. Um, Bruce Tharp still a practicing attorney. Oh yeah, uh, very involved in social media. Um, he does podcast interviews. I'm actually, I uh, you know because. When we get into part three, it's going to be a lot of him, and uh, I'll, I'll make sure to listen to at least a couple of those before uh, we really get into There's going to be a lot of, I believe, uh, allegedly, I believe, out there. <laughs> um, February 20th, 2012, uh, the I Believe in Wrestling show on February 4th, Orlando, no pun intended there, uh, was built as the uh, as for the real world heavyweight title. Uh, the Sheik, now calling himself the Almighty Sheik, uh, who never gave back the physical NWA belt when he was stripped of it, faced Larry Sabisco, who has kept the physical AWA belt since the promotion folded 20 years ago. They've wrestled for both belts with the Sheik winning. So he's now the AWA heavyweight champion. Both AWA <laughs> world championships. He holds two titles that he... That are not recognized by the yeah. current older owner of the NWA. Oh, man. Uh, Feb- <laughs> oh, man. This, this, they, these fake titles and all this is this is stuff I live for. I want to know, does the Sheik have, the, have that AWA belt? Because there's there's been a debate about who actually has the legit AWA belt. Yeah. Title. I would imagine Sabisco got it back. I could see Larry sitting on it. I, th- I thought Lawler still has it. <laughs> well... There's, there's, there's a difference. Lawler had the one. There was the original belt that Stan Hansen drove over when he 
didn't get his money. He drove his truck over and <laughs> sent it back to Vergania with a big tire imprint, and it was like bent upward. Uh, Lawler, Lawler's AWA title he kept after they after Jared Jared didn't pay him, and that eventually became the USWA title bout. I believe when the Snowman kept the, the title that they were using, the AWA title became the USWA title. But uh, so I could see Zavisco having like the eighty-eight, eighty-nine, ninety version of the belt. Yeah. Um. The uh, March fifth, two thousand twelve, uh, zero one on its eleventh anniversary show on March second in Corrigan Hall with the NWA IC Tag Champs Masato Tanaka and Zeus. It can't be. No, it's not. Defending against Steve Carino and the Sheik. Zeus uh, only had like two matches outside of WWE. Yeah, it was w- they were both WWC, weren't they? Oh, yeah, and the match with Abby is amazing. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Go look it up. Uh, but it, they were defending against Steve Carino and the Sheik and their international junior champion, uh, Takeo Sagura, uh, against NWA junior champion to. Toshi Kokuchi, not the same NWA as in the U.S. So now they're just, it's a different NWA. It's the new wrestling alliance. Yeah. Um, March 12, 2012, 0-1 had, uh, oh, oh no, yeah, this is a, yeah, no, this is a follow-up on that. Yeah. Zero one had its 11th anniversary show on March 2nd in Corrigan Hall. They had Masato Tanaka and Zeus beat Steve Carino and the Sheik to keep the NWIC t- Tag titles when Tanaka pinned Sheik in Japan. They just call it the NWA, but technically the initials stand for the New Wrestling Alliance instead of National Wrestling Alliance, since they had a falling out with the National Wrestling Alliance when the NWA wanted the title off Sheik, and when Craig Classic then vacated the NWA Junior title, but came here to defend and lose the title. They also had a double title match with International Junior Champion Takuya Sugara, uh beating the version of this version of the NWA Junior Champion to Sushi Kikuchi. Uh, they used the term NWA figuring that the U.S. organization isn't going to sue them in Japanese court. I I, it's, I, I mean, I got to give it up to them. You're not going to sue us. You're not coming here. Yeah, and uh, that title uh, that title still exists in, in Zero One. Is Zero One still a thing? Yeah. I should know this. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't have the same luster as it it, it it did in the in the past, but yeah, it's it's uh it, it's still around. Uh, March twenty sixth, two thousand twelve, a hearing uh, play, took place on March thirteenth in Brownsville, Texas, regarding the lawsuit filed by Texas promoter Bruce Tharp against Pro Wrestling Organization LLC, the National Wrestling Alliance. Interesting business name. <laughs> Uh, the suit alleges that executive director Bob Trobich misled promoters when saying all NWA members would have insurance as part of joining the organization. Tharp claimed the policy was garnered by stating that the shows would never have more than 100 spectators. Those in the NWA saying there is no fraud, the insurance company isn't alleging any fraud, and the policy is not limited to shows drawing of less than 100 people. They went to court over jurisdiction, ruling it could be tried in Brownsville, Texas, and not moved to Mecklenburg County in North Carolina. The NWA is expected to appeal that ruling. The court also issued an order barring the sale, mortgage, or use of collateral of the NWA brand as long as the case was going on and prohibited the defendants in the case from using NWA funds to pay legal fees. The defendants uh, listed in the case are Bob Trobich, Bill Behrens, David Marquez, Michael Porter, Fred Rubenstein, Michael Searcy, and Ken Taylor. Searcy is a non-voting associate member. Those in the NWA have claimed that Tharp attempted to get the executive director position in voting for, from Trobich 
but he didn't have enough votes to do so, then filed the suit. So, uh, I mean, being an attorney, Tharp knew what he was doing. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, he also knew, too, that, you know, moving it to North Carolina, it would have been, you know, Trobich territory. And, you know, he knows all the, the judges and all that. Yeah. When you're a practicing attorney, he was looking for a friendly judge. When it came down to it. Tharp out lawyer Trobich. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with wrestling. Yeah. Trobich was who a we... better lawyer. It looks yeah. Like. Uh, April 9th, 2012, uh, somewhat quietly, Bob Trobich is no longer the executive director of the NWA. Nothing was formally said, but the timing of the Bruce Tharp lawsuit in the recent day in court led to uncertainty among the board. Uh, David Balkin, who promotes NWA Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling in the Carolinas, was announced as new executive director. I can imagine Trobich just called Dave and be like, hey, you're, you're in charge now. Notice how they named a guy that was not in the lawsuit. Yeah. Yep. Because you would think the next succession would be Marquez for wh- how involved he was. But Yeah. Or Barons. Or, yeah. yeah. Or ba- Barons. Yeah. Barons, too. Yeah. Uh, April 16, 2012, Texas wrestling promoter and attorney Bruce Tharp's lawsuit against the NWA, which led to the resignation of Bob Trobich last week, executive director, being replaced by David Balkum. Uh, who was the head of NWA Midnight Championship Wrestling and owner of 14 strip clubs in the area, uh, is scheduled to go on trial in Brownsville, Texas, on May 24th. So now I need to look up Dave Balcom. While you're doing that, um, we'll go April 30th, 2012. Colt Cabana beat Adam Pierce on April 8th in Glendale, California, to win the NWA title. At the tapings for the NWA Championship Wrestling for Hollywood, after Cabana returns from Japan, they're going to do a best-of-seven series with seven different stipulation matches. The shows are May 13th in Glendale, California for NWA Hollywood, June 8th in Bridgewater, Massachusetts for New England Championship Wrestling, July 7th in Hopkins, Minnesota for Steel Domain Wrestling, July 21st in Kansas City for Metro Pro Wrestling, and August 4th in Charlotte for the NWA Legends Fan Fest, and the 6th and 7th date, if needed, are to be determined. And we're going to get us more, but this is like... One, this was probably a highlight of the NWA that I don't think it's talked enough. Cabana and Pierce's Best of Seven series was something that was really special, and it just didn't get enough attention. And I think now people have gone back. I know, like, you could buy the DVDs, I think, on High Spots. And um, if I, if, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think it's on High Spots. But that Best of Seven series between Cabana and Pierce really first off cemented cabana is not just a comedy guy but like a top guy in the indies who could work anyone um but also showed that pierce was a real world a real world champion uh the way both of these guys uh worked uh these these matches and they were all good matches okay so um i found an article about david slim Bacham. <laughs> Strip club mogul. Well, you knew when there was a, a nickname, something's going wrong. Oh, slim. Uh, June 2014th with Charlotte Observer. Unfortunately, it's a paywall. But uh, I found some other things. One uh, says, who is businessman number one accused of paying bribe? So here's the NWA uh, executive director. Uh, 
Let's see, Charlotte, North Carolina, in the Patrick Cannon case, he's referred to by the FBI as businessman number one. And be, he is the man who investigators say p- paid Patrick Cannon a bribe, believing Cannon would use his political clout to help him out. So, uh, yeah, see, uh, NBC Charlotte's from the name of the businessman is David Balcom, and he is the owner of a chain of strip clubs, including Old Twin Peaks Club on North Tyrone Street. He is, Canada has pleaded guilty. Oh, I wonder where I was called Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of unique, kind of original. Um, Canada has now pleaded guilty to take a $2,000 bribe for the man we now know as Balcom, who wanted Cannon. to Cannon's help relocating the club when it was torn down to make way for the light rail extension project. So his strip club was being taken away, and he paid a bribe to a politician to get a better area, a better location. Now, that was 2014. I also found this from 2020, August 2020. (laughs) Charlotte Strip Club fined by state for drugs, drunk dancers, and illicit sex acts. Uh, I don't think I really need to. Uh, We're get... still in the heart of the pandemic by then, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like... Investigation into the Leather and Lace Strip Club in University <laughs> City. He's good at names. I'll think of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I show a picture of the sign here. Um, the uh, the 22-page report filed by the Nor- North Carolina Alcohol Beverage Control Commission shows 21 violations from October to February. There will be a ni- 2019 to 2020, so it's fine. It wasn't. It was pre-pandemic. The club was one of 61 public hearing cases uh, ratified. Um, let's see. They found a six-month-long investigation of the Leather and Lace South Boulevard adult entertainment business. Also penalized in April for drugs and dancers drinking on the job. Can strip club? Can dancers drink? Or is it maybe North Carolina? It's against the law. I I, I, get, I mean, North Carolina is also it's it's. I mean, it's a Bible Belt state, right? Yeah. So it would. Yeah. There's probably a lot of weird bylaws. <laughs> <laughs> Undercover agents are following up. Are following up at leather. We're following up at leather and lace north after a complaint about employees drinking on the job, illegal drug sales, and violations of the sexually violations of a sexually explicit nature. Uh, agents said several customers were heavily intoxicated during visits. One man was visibly unsteady on his feet. Another man passed out of the bar and was falling out of his chair. And we see that all the time. Uh, settle the violations, the club has until September 4th to pay a $5,000 fine or face a liquor license suspension. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff I shouldn't... A lot of, a lot of stuff I really shouldn't say... Uh, on the podcast, but uh, in terms an of... An interesting individual being held at uh, the NW executive director. Oh, I think I say this. Agents also purchased powder cocaine from a stripper named Yummy <laughs> on three visits, including $200... Is that your a... legal name, Yummy? <laughs> <laughs> including $200 for an eight ball and an eighth ounce of cocaine, according to a report. Oh, so folks... Some dancers were seen stumbling and one 24-year-old stripper just laid on the stage rolling around and would go crawl on all fours. So, all right, so the former NWA executive director is a strip club owner where a stripper named Yummy sold cocaine <laughs> to federal agents. And anything goes, obviously. And strippers are just passed out drunk on the stage. 
So this is who Bob Somebody Trobick. Somebody called John Taffer. This is who Bob Trobick gave control of the company to during this era. <laughs> Folks, we really don't know any of this. Before we do the research, we're just like, oh, that story would be interesting. And then here he, I am. His name came up. I didn't research it before. 2021. I had no idea this was a thing. Didn't know that the NWA executive director for this short period of time was a was named Slim. <laughs> Slim Bucking. <laughs> and hey, he may have been a great promoter. I don't know anybody that's worked for him, but uh, uh, yeah. Um, Obviously, he had money. He owned multiple strip clubs. I mean, yeah, four, 14, like, come on. <laughs> like, he was only fined $2,000, $4,000. It wasn't major money. Like, he robbed a politician. He was still in business. <laughs> and seven years later, he's still in business. Like, <laughs> yeah, obviously, he was okay. No. Uh, May 28, 2012, the trial on the lawsuit filed by Bruce Tharp against the NWA, Bob Trobich, Bill Barrett, Michael Porter, David Marquez, goes to trial in Cameron County, uh, Texas on May 24th. By the way, you notice how Michael Searcy got out of that one? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not even a voting member. Like, I'm out of here. Uh, on the May 24th trial, the claim by Tharp is that the NWA led him to believe he had insurance on his shows, but the policy only covered shows that drew less than 100 people. The NWA's defense had been that there was no issue with the insurance company, and that wasn't the case. However, Trobich since has resigned as NWA executive director, a title that he's held for most of the last two decades. In honesty, like reading that too, yeah, I don't think going to court, maybe he wouldn't have won for the fact of if he would have had a claim and the claim was denied. Like I said, like if the claim was denied then I think he would have definitely had a leg to stand on. But with the fact that he never had to claim on it, he could allege fraud, but I, I don't think it would have... I don't, I don't think it would have been as bad as if he would have actually had to claim on it. And it was denied. Um, so... <laughs> And I think these these last uh, two uh, stories is probably where we'll uh, where we'll end this part. Uh, but uh, July thirty first, two thousand twelve, Brownsville, Texas attorney and former championship wrestling from Florida ring announcer Bruce Tharp has succeeded in his lawsuit to take control of the National Wrestling Alliance. Tharp had sued executive director Bob Trebich and the board of directors claiming insurance fraud. He had claimed the NWA's insurance policy covering all shows under its banner was for events that drew less than 100 people when a lot of the shows draw well over that amount. I roll my eyes. <laughs> um, uh, Tharp claimed... Do, do, we have, do we have to go back through... Do we have to go to cage match? Yeah. What promotion did he run? Like, uh, <laughs> he, he said like he took... He only joined the NWA like a year earlier. Less than a year. How many... Should, Okay. NWA Texas? Something <laughs> NWA something related to Texas. Darp claimed Trowich, uh, when getting new NWA affiliates, would tell them by joining the organization that they would have insurance on their shows. Uh, but I mean, they, they, they did. Like, I've... I've <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been privy to those conversations back in the decades ago. Yeah, th- but, they did. But didn't inform them that the policy covered shows less than 100 people. At the time the suit was filed, several on the NWA board said it was simply a power play by, for Tharp, who had joined only joined the alliance late in 2011, but to take control. But evidently that worked, as the suit was settled as part, settled, uh, 
part of the settlement was the NWA name will be transferred to a new LLC headed by Tharp. No word yet on any other changes that are forthcoming. Adam Pierce regained the NWA title from Cole Cabana on July 21st in Kansas City in a two out of three falls match. They did a double for, uh, pin first fall, so went to the third deciding fall when Pierce was winning after a belt shot to the head. Pierce had vowed to retire if he lost a match. They have three more matches to go if their best of seven series goes the full seven. Uh, at this point, Cabana is up three to one with the next match being on August 18th, a dog collar match in Bridgewater, Massachusetts for New England Pro Wrestling. So I kind of want to real quick. Um, well, I'll do this other note here and then I want to go circle back to the uh, to the uh, Cabana Pierce series. But September 10, 2012, the new hierarchy of the NWA is R. Bruce Tharp. As the president and CEO, Fred Rubenstein is the vice. Did you sue him? Vice President CEO and Chris Rancrulo as the vice president and CFO. There really is no word on the changes that are going to be made and what direction they want to take. But Rubenstein was one of the leaders of the old NWA. I don't know if Rubenstein sold them out, but yeah, he jumped. He jumped ship. He was... He was on uh, Team Tharp. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I think that's a good. I one. noticed that, that on that lawsuit, Fred Rubenstein was not on anymore, and I and and, and there you go. Maybe they had some back uh, conversations. Hey, I'll drop the suit against you. What a weasel. <laughs> you know Fred Rubenstein. I've never met him, so uh, barely. Yeah. Um, uh, but I wanted before before we end, I do because uh, this didn't really go into detail as far as the uh, Pierce uh, Cabana matches here. Um, but I kind of want to go to where we're updated, which is the fourth match. So let's see here. So, so, so yeah, so. I have this here. I'm trying to find the exact listing because I think that would be hard to find in cage match. I think if you just go to Adam Pierce's matches, you can probably okay, yeah. just look so up the matches he's had. So let's do that. Adam Pierce matches. Yes, uh, seven levels of hate, best of seven series. Yes, with the first one, uh, May 2012. It's in bold, so you'd be able to quickly sc- scroll through that and find it if you just do a search. Uh, yep, I have year it. Here. 2012. I got it. Yep, so uh, the first uh, match in the uh, Seven Levels of Hate Best Summon series was a first blood where Cole Cabana defeated Adam Pierce, and that was on NWA Championship Wrestling Rally in Glendale, California. Uh, the second match was the seven, uh, in the Seven Levels of Hate was a uh, Boston street fight where Cole Cabana defeated Adam Pierce at New England Championship Wrestling Stronger Than Hurt. They are friends of the show. Uh, in match three, it was an I quit match where Cole Cabana defeated Adam Pierce. Uh, and that was for ST SDW in Hopkins, Minnesota. Not a glamorous St- place. Steel domain wrestling. Oh, steel domain. Okay. Oh, okay. then that's fine. <laughs> I, they shortened it. Steel domain is actually yeah. pretty, that was a pretty good deal. Danny Dominion, a steel. Um, and then the one we just talked about was the uh, was in Kansas City, Kansas, and it was for Metro Pro Wrestling where Adam Pierce defeated a Cole Cabana in a best two out of three falls match. And we'll we'll, we'll talk about it more, but just kind of 
you know, they end up having three more matches, a dog collar match in, in, in Boston as well, um, which New England Championship Wrestling got multiple tournament matches, too, for the NWA title. Yeah. So they definitely had to get their matches. Uh, uh, the sixth match was a Texas Death match, um, and it was in Salem, Oregon, for uh, West Coast Wrestling Connection, which came out a little heat with Twitter lately. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the last match was in Australia. That was for NWA Warzone in Melbourne, uh, I think it, Australia, and that was a steel cage. And like you said, like, it was a really good story and the fact of Cabana was up 3 nothing. And here's the crazy and, like, thing. They're doing this while the NWA is in shambles. The yeah. NWA is having probably its best angle since T- the TNA ending, and they're in shambles. They got a guy yeah. suing them. Uh, Trobich is gone. They got a strip club guy running the show. Like... <laughs> And you notice they never defended in his place. They never did the, never did one of never the matches. Never went to Texas. Yeah, um, or the Brownsville. No, but um, yeah, this was. Remember, 2012. This is when social media really started to gain traction. This is when YouTube started to gain traction. Uh, this and Cole Cabana was great at YouTube at this time. Yeah, this is art wrestling started to be a thing, and he would actually do his like the little videos, like shouting out the promotions he would yeah. work for every week, and. Yeah. Like the 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 thirty pounds of gold that uh, that eventually that Dave Lagana worked on, like eventually later on, this is basically the forerunner to that. This is where they started to get momentum with the NWA title. At this point, they're trying to build it up as something again. It, again, while the NWA is going through shambles or in shambles, I should say. Um. All right, and, and I just kind of looked at an article from ProWrestlingStories.com on Bruce Tharp. And it just kind of gets into him taking over. Yeah, I, I like. There's not really much to find out what he I was couldn't find the Fed or like even did he, if just he join as a member? It didn't run his shows. I, it's possible. Um, but I thought I I thought the bylaws the stated, bylaws stated you actually needed to run shows. Hence, why Fred Rubenstein held the territory for New York State, even though he never ran in New York, or at least during. Extended period, but you had affiliates, so he would have affiliates give money and run NWA affiliates, so he could still claim the territory of the NWA. All right, so uh, what we're gonna do? Um, and it'll be a little short and usual, uh, but uh, we really want to save for a big, a big third part finale. We could probably finish it off for there. Where we got Bruce Tharp in charge. Yeah, we didn't really want to like break that up. Yeah, like, so a good um, starting point. You know, uh, so just kind of recap where we got here. Uh, the NWA, NWA Mexico stuff ends up failing. Sheik is a champion. Ends up being disastrous with him not returning the title. Uh, Adam Pierce continues to be a fighting champion and then goes on this legendary best of seven series with Cole Cabana. And then while this is all happening, Bruce Tharp comes out of nowhere, sues him, and becomes the president. The executive director. So, can I can I sue Wegmans and become the president? <laughs> uh, as a shopper, <laughs> I disagree. I disagree with the insurance on these avocados. <laughs> yeah, like the store policy. How can I not return this avocado? <laughs> yeah. It was already right. This, this is this is fraud. I I want to become the president of your grocery chain. And once again, I it was a hunt like. If he would have had an accident on his show and there would have been 150 people there, it seems like there wouldn't have been a big deal. The insurance company's pretty much saying, chill, dude. 
<laughs> like even the insurance company is saying chill. Like, come on. I think what also matters that hasn't been said is who's paying the insurance premium. Is is as a promoter, are you giving money to the NWA uh, to cover that insurance, or does the NWA? I would imagine it's part of your yearly membership. You would think. I vaguely remember in 2005 when working for a fed that just started with the NWA affiliate of hearing about this policy, he, remembering a promoter, remembering the promoter saying, yeah, we can pay, you could pay into this, but it's, it's a bullshit policy. So people knew that, yeah, the NWA is trying to sell liability insurance. It's not, it's not worth it. So, but again, like I don't have actual confirmation and who was paying for this policy. If Tharp had to pay the NWA $150 a show, whatever it is. I feel like Bruce Tharp's going to be part of our life. <laughs> we've had we've had third-party uh, interaction from uh, Del Gagne. We've had first-party interaction from Rob Black. And now I feel like Bruce Tharp is going to find out about this episode. We didn't say anything wrong, but... No, everything was allegedly... <laughs> But he's very active on social media. He's got a strip club owner. It's fine. Yeah, David Balkum's not going to be happy with this show. All right. And Yummy, Yummy's mad. Yo, yummy is triggered. <laughs> uh, we really do want to thank everybody for listening. Even if Yummy's listening, thank you for being a listener. Um, but uh, we're going to do part three. So this will drop here uh, late September, and then part three will drop in October. And then we'll go into some future topics. If anything you guys want us to talk about, uh, whether it's a promoter, a, an era, whatever it may be, like, you know, uh, promoter, promotion, an event, uh, title, uh, you know, talent. Let uh, us trash them and get the heat. <laughs> but, but we don't trash her. We tell no, the no, story. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, I have to make that very clear as we are both two people that are still active and into better wrestling. Um, <laughs> yes. We're not trashing anybody. We're just telling a story from No, no. We're just giving our... We're just giving, we're, we're, we're just giving our... We're explaining what was reported by Meltzer and yes. what is reported by the NBC affiliate in Charlotte right now with their yes. newspaper. But uh, um, and w- any topic you want to hear, please, um, d- the DMs are open on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We are absolutely uh, open to any suggestions. Uh, we've had some people talk about the audio. We fixed the audio. Honestly, we're, we're not that type of podcast that will shut down your opinion. We are up open to any suggestion, conservative criticism, or compliments. We love those, too. <laughs> um, but um, with that being said here, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Once again, thanks to Podcast Precinct, specifically Matt Johnson of Podcast Precinct and the BIZBP Radio Network. Uh, kind of give a little bit where you can see us, because uh, we got some busy Octobers. Um, first off, you can follow me on social media, Chris Gullo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, um, this will... This will land like last week of September, so you could see me October 2nd. I will be in Syracuse, New York, uh, ring announcing the Lace Up Promotions kickboxing event, including uh, a glory world champion, uh, Kevin Van Ostrad. So it's pretty big, pretty big deal for me. Uh, and then October 8th, I'll be doing comedy in Buffalo, New York, at Classic Lanes Bowling Alley. Uh, October 10th. Empire State Wrestling, you will be there as well, Jonathan Ash. I will be there uh, as we have our fourth and gold event at 3 p.m. at Buffalo Riverworks featuring uh, Davey Richards versus Daniel Garcia. Um, we have the main event versus Tufinity and Beyond. Uh, we have uh, Bill Collier versus Ace Romero. I'm sorry, MSP versus Finney and Beyond. Uh, main event versus uh, 
uh, Claudia and Ando. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're, no matter how you com- combine those tag teams, it would still be great. And by the time this drops, uh, we would have announced that it will be live streaming on IWTV. Yes, yeah. There, there you go, folks. Uh, and then going through the whole October calendar, <laughs> October 16th, you can catch me at NFW in New Jersey at the Monster Factory. I know what Myron Reed is on that show, uh, as well as Everett Connors, uh, Gary J., Billy Starks, and more. Uh, and then Cody Federation Wrestling. Yeah, the, the Northern Federation Wrestling, Cody Jenny, great promoter. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and I believe that is as of right now my October schedule. Uh, the weekend after that, please don't try to book me. It's my anniversary weekend. My wife will get mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and there's my October. October is a crazy month for uh, both of us. And uh, you can kind of give your plugs. Yeah, uh, like I said uh, last month, I've started working for GoPro, uh, Go Professional Wrestling. The uh, production company that handles Game Changer Wrestling, uh, Russell Pro, and I've uh, done work with AEW, BTE, like they're all over. Uh, I head up their B team, so primarily a lot of stuff uh, around like New York and uh, Western PA, that area. Um, although I'm still taking a lot of Jersey bookings. Um, by the time this drops, I'd be, um, I've got, uh, actually, I have uh, 2CW coming up uh at the end of september um tcw square circle wrestling is a company that uh lasted from 2005 to 2015 uh in the central new york area um really didn't leave central new york but at the time in the late 2000s it was one of the few super indies out there um they really didn't get their product out too much they won we won uh promotion indie promotion of the year a few times uh in for PW Insider, um, and then just uh, close up shop. Uh, we're back for two shows, reunion shows, reunion shows. But a lot of people that weren't originally on the show working because a lot of us are uh, older, fatter, and balder, which is actually the name of one of the uh, one of the shows. So we're running uh, Binghamton on Thursday, and then uh, Syracuse on uh, Friday. Uh, then I actually uh, working for Northeast Wrestling. Uh, the next night, Saturday, um, October second, uh, got some, got a lot more stuff with uh, with GoPro coming up in October. Got Russell Pro, Northeast Wrestling, uh, possibly some uh, some stuff outside of New York, outside of the Northeast. But we'll see, we'll see about that. And again, uh, ESW obviously uh, October tenth is my stress level will be uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, with live streaming um, and running full production on that show. Um, so, yeah, uh, and other things, uh, I just handled production for Blitzkrieg, Blitzkrieg, Blitzkrieg Pro uh, this past weekend. So, check that out on IWTV. Uh, it should drop uh, by the time the show is the show's up. And then, uh, yeah, November, a little, little slower November, but uh, I'm sure that'll change. Yep, so uh, lots of places to see us, but make sure, more importantly, uh, you check out our social media here. Once again, it's RTA Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you know, we do the State Independent Wrestling History, and make sure that you like and subscribe uh, for us on iTunes. I don't push that enough. Like and subscribe, uh, you know, uh, you know, give us give us reviews. That would be awesome. Um, uh, but you can also 
uh, we are also on Spotify, uh, as well as Google Podcasts and many more. So check us out on that uh, and also the BICBBnetwork.com. Uh, With that said, um, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, here uh, as, uh, I am about to head to get a flight to Las Vegas and enjoy my 34th uh, birthday. Wait, when are you flying so, out? I'm, I'm flying it out in a day after this, but still, i got to get ready for my Well, flight. no, I got nervous. I thought we were going to get Moonies. We're getting some mac and cheese. <laughs> You, I am a vegan. I do not eat mac and cheese. I want to this is a recorded line. Oh, you have you have tater tots. Yes, yeah, tater tots. The Mooney's tater tots. I have tots. a veggie wrap. I get no cheese on it. Uh, but, all right, folks, uh, with that said, uh, I'm Chris Gello. That's Jonathan Ash. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Rediscovering These, and keep supporting independent professional wrestling. Mm-hmm.